0: Just to launch this conversation. This is our playground.
1: They have spontaneous conversations. They don't play in this. I mean, there's actually something sort of spiritual about that. What's he do? He's a human being.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm a sexist feminist.
1: We should be friends. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Rob and Callie Show. My name's Rob Kay, and I'm sitting here with such a good friend of mine. Her name's Callie Alpert.
0: Hey, am I a good friend? Excellent.
1: You you know you are. You're like a sister from another mister.
0: And you're a brother from another mother.
1: That's right. That's right. So welcome to everybody who's listening. Thank you so much for listening tonight around the world. We say... A hello and want everyone <laughs> to know that we are sponsored by mycvideoauditions.com.
0: Yeah, I thought you were going to break into a little international, some other language hellos tonight.
1: Yeah, no, not tonight. We're just going to do an American hello. Nice job. You did yeah. that well. Thank you. So tonight we're going to talk about something that I've wanted to talk about for a while since we started doing the show almost a year ago. And it's about an experience I had when I was younger in my 20s. And I think I was in a cult. I think I was in a cult. I, uh, you know, last week we were talking about being in a relationship, knowing mm-hmm. when to go, knowing when to stay. I talked about this mentor that I had in my early 20s who I met at a spiritual center. And um, how it was a really dysfunctional relationship. And looking back on it now, there were so many cult-like things about mm. it. And just to talk about the word "cult," you know, I think there's such a connotation of religion and spirituality with it sometimes. And people think of like a large group of people being led by somebody. And I think for tonight, it's more about the fact that this could happen anywhere. Yeah. Sometimes you have a relationship between two people. It could be a marriage, a business relationship, it could be a friendship. Sometimes where one person's controlling the other, abusing the other, um, you know,
0: manipulating,
1: manipulating, persuading. Exactly. Exactly. And where someone gives up their power. And in my case, I just gave up my power and I learned a lot of lessons. I know that this happened for a reason. And even though I'm still ashamed to talk about it, and I'm embarrassed about it. I think it's something that I want to talk about on the show so I could help other people that may be in a, a situation or relationship or maybe in a cult or a group where they feel trapped and they don't know what to do. I know I was that guy.
0: Yeah. Is that a word that you used all along, like, since you've had that experience? Was that the word that was prominent in your mind? Or are you just sort of coming to grips with that word now?
1: No, I think I've been using it for years. Yeah. The thing is, though, I just, ha- I don't tell, like, everybody about it. So, you know, there are friends I have, people in my family who just don't know about this. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, I mean, I I needed a lot of therapy after that experience. You know, I, I spent five years with these guys, and um, I learned about how someone who's lost ends up in a situation like that because looking back i'm like how on earth did i end up in a situation like that and it's just that you know there's always somebody who can sort of get to your you know they're your kryptonite and they can get to your weaknesses and sometimes exploit them and and in the end it's just not a good situation you know yeah yeah so
0: I was just going to, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so I, because I just feel like maybe it would help to, because this is such an important story, and I commend you, and I know how deep this runs for you. Yeah. Um, and it is, you know, I can say it, um am very, very brave to to share this story openly, and mm-hmm. I think it's um, it's got the value and potential to help a lot of people. Yeah. But I'd be interested in knowing if you can paint a picture of sort of um, what happened when you first met these people and what your character and soul was like, that, you know, enabled you to, you know, to get close to them and be as vulnerable as you were with them.
1: Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, sure. So what happened was I was... um I was going to Syracuse, and then after my third year there, I was very unhappy there, and I decided to go on vacation to Florida. And then I stayed in Florida. I did my last year of college there. And after college, I couldn't get a job. You know, the recession was going on. So I became a waiter. That I remember. Yeah, oh God. I mean, I, I wanted to move to Atlanta. That's where I wanted to move. They just got in the Olympics, it was hot, Atlanta. I, I drove there oh. twice from Florida, round trip, and a car to interview at jobs that didn't even exist. And I couldn't get a job there, so I stayed in Florida. And I was miserable. I was so depressed. I was doing long distance therapy with a therapist in New York City. And I was in Florida. And I was lost. And I was in my early 20s. I must have been um, 23 at the time. And I was broke. And I wasn't getting along with my family. I felt like whenever I talked to my family, I just felt criticized. I didn't feel like anybody had my back. And I felt like I needed a break from my family. I just was not getting along with them. And um, and also
0: just uh, not to interrupt you, but that stage in life is always melodramatic anyway. Yeah. Just as a baseline. Yeah. It's so to figure out what you want to be when you grow up and the pressure of if you've you know had the good fortune of going to college or, you know, even if you jumped into the workforce just to figure out what it is you should be doing and what you're to, m- to make of yourself and you're yeah. to support yourself that in and of itself is a lot. And yeah. then you add everything you're describing. That's that's a lot. That's a big load.
1: Yeah. And I was in a town where I didn't know anybody when I yeah. moved there. So I had to make new friends and sort of like just find support wherever I could. And that's how I ended up at this spiritual center. I was very interested in spirituality at that point, And I wanted sort of a new way of life to just learn how to be happier in different ways. And it was at this spiritual center that I met this guy who became a mentor. And he's this really charismatic guy, good looking, looked you right in the eye. And um, smart. Yeah, seemed to have his shit together, seemed to be very successful in life, great presentation, you know, really talked a good talk. And I, you know, assume, well, I guess the guy walks the walk, you know. And looking back, it was just a typical type of leader who's really disturbed and knows how to cover it up and can seduce people or persuade them to follow him. And that's kind of what happened. And, you know, being a young guy, I... Um I think also, you know, one thing I learned through all this is, you know, my I I was people-pleasing a lot more back then. I wanted approval from somebody sure. from somewhere. I wanted someone to show they cared. And I was thinking about this during the week because I gave this a little thought during the week. <laughs> <laughs> Cal- Just a little Callie bit. Just had, this week. We Just had, this week. Yeah, we had quite a phone call today where I'm like, I don't know if I really want to talk about this. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. So, and then 52 weeks times 18 years. But, hey, who's counting? Yeah, it's only taken me 18 years to talk about on the air but anyway so um so what happened was um that you know i i think at that point any attention was good attention even if it was negative attention because the sort of beginning of meeting this guy and i'm going to learn about spirituality and he's introduced me to these other friends he has turned into a nightmare and it turned into you know emotional abuse and him yelling at me and losing his temper and he was a total rageaholic sociopath Throwing stuff. I mean, it's like, how would I end up in a situation Mm -hmm. like that? Well, it's like, I just, I, I, it's not that I didn't know any better. I was really vulnerable, like you said. And that's how somebody like me ended up in a situation like that. Like I, so like my ego wants to say, but I'm like this really strong guy. I don't take any shit from anybody. I like to stand up to bullies whenever I can. And people know that about me, but I'm also a human being. And at that point in my life, this guy really knew how to sort of get to the parts of me that were insecure and, and, you know, even when things would get out of hand, I'd be like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Him and his buddies would talk me into staying. Cause it was like, it was like a bunch of us, it was like a fraternity. It was like the three of us lived there. And then usually the guy's girlfriend would live with us. Um, and so it was sort of like this surrogate family. And there were times where I was like, I got because this lasted for five years. They talked me into cutting off my family, and I just hung out with them. And we moved all over Florida, and I got into car sales because one of the guys was selling cars. And, you know, so we were making a living. And the mentor was an artist. So we were subsidizing his artwork, and we were making the money and bringing home the pay and splitting it up like a commune. I mean, it was a real cult like situation. But there were times I remember. Where I mean the the violence like that didn't happen a lot and it never got violent with me physically because I think he knew that if we got into a physical altercation I was going to fight back and I'd be out of there I think he just knew that intuitively
0: that's also too for you know people that um, are manipulative or have some sort of sociopath sociopathy is that the right word just sort of you know um, the ability to really manipulate people in a dangerous way yeah that that's almost too flagrant often. You know, it's, it's when it's, there's subtlety or nuance and, and I'm going to gather, I mean, I'm going to venture to say that everything you're, you're describing happened slowly and gradually probably, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you know, and that is how it happens to even the smartest, most together people sometimes because you don't, right? You can't really identify the moment that it happens. And then you get little crumbs that are still kind of yummy and remind you of the reason you got there in the first place. I just think it's important to remind people that are listening who might connect with this on whatever level of, Um, A relationship they might be in, even if it's not to this degree that, you know, there are all these little pieces that kind of scream out that something's not right.
1: Yeah. And when you're desperate, like desperate people do desperate things. And when you're really hungry, you'll take crumbs. And that's what I did. And so in the beginning, just to get back to your question, you know, they'd buy me dinner in the beginning. I was broke. I was waiting tables. I couldn't even buy dinner sometimes, you know, and then they'd welcome me over for Thanksgiving, you know, and, and then they'd be like, you know, come by and hang out or whatever. I just felt like I belonged to something and someone actually cared.
0: Right. It's an affiliation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And before I knew it, my lease was up and they're like, why don't you just move in with us for Mm -hmm. a couple of months? And then that turned into five years. And so all of a sudden, like over the years, it's like, I'm just in this inner bubble and it's like this sort of offshoot group that's doing its own thing away from society. You know, we had neighbors who would see us, we would motorcycles, we'd go out for rides. I mean, it's like people saw us hanging out, but it was like a typical dysfunctional family. They didn't know what was going on inside the house. Right. And it was, it was crazy. And, um, how long did
0: it take you before you knew before your little voice inside was knocking and saying something is not cool here?
1: Before I listened to the voice or when I had that feeling. when you
0: fir- both when you first heard and, it and the, when you listened to it. The
1: first time this guy lost his temper with me on yeah. the phone. I remember it. Yeah. And he's like, you're going to have to find somebody else to teach you. you. You don't even do what I tell you to do or whatever. And I remember getting off the phone and my adrenaline was going and my heart was palpitating. And I was like, I, I don't know what I did. Like, you know, I it's I it was shocking. But, again, I was in such a lost, unhappy place in my life. I was the perfect candidate for a situation like that. And so, yeah, I took the blame. Or, you know, oh, yeah, I must have done something wrong. Let me do it better next time. And the people-pleasing kicked in. And wanting to be accepted kicked in. And all of a sudden, there I am, you know, still in that situation. And, you know, looking back, you know, I talk to that kid sometimes, you know. And I'm like, dude, you could have left, you know. But, again... I wouldn't have learned what I learned. And I think one of the reasons why it's so important to me to talk about this on the show, because I want to talk to that kid who was me, who's 23 or anyone that's in a situation like that where they don't know what to do. And I just want you to know that listen to your intuition, listen to your gut, listen to that feeling that's saying, this isn't right. You can leave.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So with that, I want to talk about
0: changing gears, r-
1: leaving this conversation momentarily, <laughs> and talking about our sponsor, who is nyc dot com. So actors and singers in the city, I know what you're thinking. You're like, I have this audition coming up, and I'm really tired of like recording it myself. I don't know how to do it. It doesn't look professional enough. And I have a solution for you. It's to go to mycvideoauditions.com. Whether you're going to audition for a film, a TV show, or even a theater production, mycvideoauditions.com is the place to go. You're going to look and sound great, and your audition is usually sent to you within an hour. So contact them, mycvideoauditions.com. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Robin Callie Show. I just I have to admit, somehow I needed a cue to, to know when to start talking because I tend to mess up. You post commercial. Thank you. you I've only great. worked in TV for thirty yours years um, anyway uh, this is a, a special edition we'd like to give a shout out to everybody um, we know that we have people listening right now in Australia I believe in France in Vietnam obviously throughout the United States and it means a lot to us just to have a sort of a global tapestry of listeners so thank you all for that mm-hmm. um, we're talking about a, an interesting and tough topic that's particularly um, sensitive for Rob given your personal experience with being in a cult many years ago um, and I do think and we want want to get back to that for sure I I think it's um, important here because when we first talked about this topic I thought how can I participate beyond just being here to support you and ask questions and just share my own curiosity Mm. and then I realized and this is not to um, because cult is a strong word and it's often something that people read about or hear about on the news and can't relate to in their own life and there are literal definitions of what it means in terms of religious undertones and large groups of people and those types of things Um, but I think it's important Important to remember that the common denominator um, that we can kind of broaden out for everybody is anybody that feels like they're manipulated persuaded in a way where you're going against the grain of what your own soul is telling you to do. It can happen in a work relationship. It can happen in a romantic relationship. It can happen in mentor relationships, mm-hmm. like the example you gave. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me think about a relationship that I had um, for five years in my early to mid thirties, um, where it was a very similar type of personality um, uh Profile that you're painting. Hmm. And this is somebody that I met when I was traveling, American guy that I met in a foreign country through a mutual friend. And I was smitten and it was the most romantic way to meet. It was one of those situations where, um, you know, this never happens to me. Um, kind of situations and it ended up uh, um, planting a seed for what would become a five-year relationship. Um, he moved to Los Angeles. We were living together and I was, I thought, so in love with this person. Mm. I'm in my early 30s. I had already, I thought, had a constitution that was sort of intact. Mm. Certainly, we're all vulnerable. I wanted love. I was excited about this new exotic, in you know, a way that we had met and mm. we had a lot in common and he was very smart, charming, charming, Sensitive, sexy, um, emotionally available, moved across the world to come be with me. There were a lot of things that were legitimately, um, you know, tasty about Mm. about it. And... But then the longer we were together the more manipulated I became um, and it happened uh, it, it was never physical mm. um, But again sometimes not that I wish that for anyone But it's almost trickier and harder to spot when it's not yeah. this was more emotionally and intellectually um, manipulative and um, You know the different kinds of things he would threaten to leave he was working on a big project a concept He wanted to launch into the world mm. Um, he wouldn't get a job. I was, v- I had no money. I was very unemployed. I was supporting both of us. Um, but he would use different tax to kind of convince me that he was working for the good of our future together and mm. that I'm the one who should be the blood, sweat and tears of the, you know, all kinds of ways that um, are hard to do justice in a quick conversation now. Yeah. Um, he would talk me into a lot of things and it got to the point he was secretive about his past. He insisted on confidentiality about the way he and I lived. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to meet my family. Family. Um, he was strange about meeting some of my friends. There were a lot of these different signs and mm-hmm. in between there was a lot of good stuff, right? So it was very very tricky and confusing for me because mm-hmm. I thought I really had a lot of love there mm-hmm. um, And then all, it got to the point where now I mean my heart still breaks when my sister tells me how she was ready to jump on a plane and come out and Because she knew me well enough to know that my behavior was different. My communication was different And um, I, I say all these things just because these are markers for people to pay attention to And I thought I was a, you know, I had it all going on and I really knew who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, the common denominator, I think, and we can circle back to your story, is that there was an inner voice in me pretty early on that knew something wasn't right. And I didn't listen to it because I was uh, too taken by the rest of the relationship and sort of the romance of it. And I even remember going to therapy, couples therapy, and this first therapist that we saw, I wanted to explain and talk and analyze and break it down. And she just said looked at me and she said love feels good and I was so frustrated with her you're oversimplifying it and she was so right and I share that just because while there's challenges and jobs and relationships and things require work Mm. ultimately your gut and your and your you know your inner voice and your intuition know if something doesn't feel right for you get out of it or at least seek some outside help yeah some objectivity
1: yeah. Exactly, somebody outside who can you know be a different voice. You're not
0: crazy. If you feel crazy, if someone's making you crazy, you're not crazy. Yeah, it means something's going on that you need to pay attention to.
1: Yeah, yeah, and crazy makers make you feel crazy. Like when I hang out with crazy makers, I walk away and I'm like, wait, am I right? Maybe they're right. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, and you're not sure and you're confused, like you said. And I'm so glad you said that because I think it's such, it's a more common thing. Yeah. You know, like even last week talking about it here, you know, George and Sam in the studio, they're like guys in the studio. They're like, yeah, we've been through that. And other spiritual circles that I roam in, like guys and brothers that I have now in my life, they've been through it where they made some guy a father figure or they made some guy a big brother. And all of a sudden they found themselves in a really... Bad relationship that where they were learning all the wrong things, you know, instead of what they initially wanted, which was to learn about life. You know, we all need a guide in life. And it's about choosing people that are safe, that are positive, that have done the work themselves. I don't know how many people I've met in life who, you know, are are. Trying to do certain things to help people, but they haven't done the work themselves, right. and so that blocks them, right? You know,
0: and that's always, yeah. What was I just going to say? That's that's always sort of a a marker. If somebody somehow elicits a, a need for you to have reverence for them, yeah, or some sort of superiority against you, yeah. you're with the wrong company because that's all ego. And a lot of times, these people that um, pride themselves on being quote unquote spiritual or being quote unquote teachers are the most fractured souls there are. That's how we all find our way to our spiritual practice. It's often because we're coming from a place of crisis or pain or, you know, old wounds that we need to heal or whatever it is. Right. It's heal yourself, heal others, heal others, heal yourself. Yeah. Um, But some people have not gotten to that place. And in the process, they hurt so many others along the way. Yeah. It's important to recognize that.
1: Well, and and the one thing that I clearly remember is I'm the kind of guy where I've I've most always looked people in the eye. That's just kind of who I am, you know. And so
0: it's funny because I've never been able to. I never knew the color of your eyes. It's the first time you're looking at me in all the years we've known. You.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what do you call it? So, but I remember this guy, this mentor, when I would look him in the eye, he felt threatened. And he would tell me that it was a sign of disrespect and I needed to look away from him instead of oh looking Lord. him in the eye. Oh, now, wow. as when you look at it spiritually, my soul was looking right into him and looking through him and he didn't like that and he felt uncomfortable with it. Wow. So I did want to talk about, though, what happened at the end, how yeah. I escaped, how I, I kind of got out of there and um, one thing that happened was I hadn't talked to my family in years and I was at my car lot one day and my mother just showed up mm. at the car lot and God bless her soul she got on a plane and came down there and my family had detectives looking for me they had an idea of where I live where I worked and my mother just showed up one day and I remember her rolling her luggage down the center between like two rows of cars and I'm like who is I? I'm like oh my god that's my mom <laughs> and so we ended up talking in an office and I worked with her the other guys and he talked me into putting her in a cab and sending her away to the airport and it would be another year and a half before I get home
0: oh, well, I so, don't even remember knowing that part of your story I forgot
1: it's you know it's like I have a movie and uh my mother again she tried but um you know she was alone and you know these guys you know I remember being on the phone with them at work I'm like I don't know what to do and they're like you got to send her away because they felt threatened you know so um all of a sudden my father sent me a letter saying my, his father had passed away my grandfather and when I read that letter it just woke me up that this wasn't fake life this was real life people were starting to die for my family and that had an effect on me and then all of a sudden I got to work and um I found out that the mentor had been thrown in jail for beating up his girlfriend and that really woke me up and the fact that the police got involved i'm like i don't know what's happening here And so that started me having the strength to really start to use my voice and stand up for things I'd wanted to stand up for the whole time, but I was always manipulated or talked out of. And And isn't
0: it amazing that it took for, and thank God it wasn't, well, I hope she was okay, number one. Yeah. Um, And it's amazing that it didn't happen in front of you with you or other people that he got physically violent that you didn't even know that part of him, although not surprising in retrospect. But it's amazing that it took that for you to wake up in a way that you felt comfortable, you know, confident about.
1: Well, the interesting thing is I had started to pray specific prayers for guidance. And I was like, you got to give me guidance about this relationship. And that's when this happened. And, um, so this started like a year where he just went into a total tailspin and was on medication because he's freaking out about going to jail. And, um, I started to really see the chinks in his armor, and I started to see that this guy didn't know what he was doing, and all of a sudden, I started to fight back, and so I started to challenge him a lot more, and um, eventually, I remember it almost got physical one night, but again, I think he knew better than to do that, but it's just that he couldn't take the fact that I was challenging him, and so what happened was, I was at work one day, and we were planning to move again, because we moved around a lot, And I was so overwhelmed by the the whole thing of what was going on and making money to pay for a lawyer and moving again. And he was on the other coast of Florida and he said to me, am I going to have to come back there and do everything? And something in me said, yeah, you may have to. And I was like, who the fuck said that? Like, it was like my soul just speaking up for me. It was God or the universe speaking up for me. And that was the beginning of the Mm. end. And that's when I really stood up for myself. And eventually things just fell apart. And when we decided to move, I was like, I'm getting my own place. And I took—I just let the other guy know, I'm, like, I don't know what's going to happen with the mentor. I'm going to get my own place. And I got this garage apartment for $350 a month in somewhere in Florida. I had no AC, no TV, no nothing, but I had me and peace of mind and peace for the first time in five years. And I remember sitting there in that garage apartment thinking, I have not had peace like this and quiet in years mm. where I have somebody criticizing me all the time or controlling me or telling me what to do or tell me I'm doing it wrong where I can just be with me. And then eventually I contacted my family and then eventually I moved back to New York and I needed lots of therapy for post-traumatic stress and to just process the whole thing and to be able to get to a place where tonight I can help other people with it. Um, so I'm very grateful for all the therapy, grateful for all the support, grateful for all the friends like you and, um, you know, my family, the way they helped me just to be able to get back on my feet and tell this story that hopefully will help somebody.
0: It will help somebody, hopefully more than than a somebody. And I think, again, to just make it a little more universal, if anybody feels like they're in the company of somebody that they don't feel safe with, and that does not have to be physical safety, although obviously very, very important. Um, But if they feel like they're just being talked away from their own belief system, if they're being controlled, manipulated, persuaded, talk to somebody on the outside of that relationship. Get yeah. some perspective. Trust what your inner voice is telling you. It's really important.
1: And also and 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 bravo to that. I just want to add also that, you know, it's it's our secrets that really hurt us the most. So if you have a secret, please think about if you haven't, please think about telling someone about it, anyone.
0: And to that, we want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Um, We hope that this was a especially helpful episode and we will see you next time. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care.